We are in the book of 1 John, and we're in chapter 2. Shall read the chapter in its entirety. We'll be focusing on part of the chapter today. First John, the second chapter. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. As I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning, I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things." I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. 
this farther. God's word. Well, we stopped uh, in verse 17. And the world passes away and the lust thereof that he that does the will of God abides forever. That was the last verse uh, we looked at last time. You know, and uh, just to comment a little further on it, we it's easy to think, well, the world will exist forever. Uh, we get caught up in the day-to-day life and uh, we look around. We assume that things are the way they are now. They'll go on forever. But John is reminding us the world will not last forever. The present evil system uh, that is uh, opposed to God is passing away, as he says. So we shouldn't love the world system because it is both opposed to God and because it won't, it won't last forever. Um, as he says, it is the one who does the will of God lives forever, abideth forever. That doesn't mean that our obedience earns us eternal life, uh, but it does mean that it's the perfect obedience of Christ, which is imputed to us by faith in him, that provides eternal life for us. And we show by our obedience that his righteousness has been imputed to us. And thus we have eternal life as we do the will of God. That's James's message as well. We have eternal life as we do the will of God. Now, in verse 18, where he says, little children, it is the last time. Uh, He's not just talking to children here. Uh, It has a universal application. Uh, We've looked at this phrase, little children, fathers, etc. Again, uh, we know that he meant, uh, he was talking to you that are young in religion, young men, etc. But it's also... Uh, a, a universal little children. We are the children of God, and I think that's more what he means here. Uh, what does he mean? It's the last time. He wrote this two thousand years ago. How can that be the last time? Well, what ended two thousand years ago? What world ended two thousand years ago? The whole life of the Jewish system, the sacramental system, the whole Old Testament system died two thousand years ago. And this was the end of the world to the believing Jews because that represented God. You know, in a, in a sense, when the, when the Romans uh, in uh, 68 to 70 AD destroyed Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, in a sense, the, the, the Jews thought that was the death of God, basically. How are we going to worship God? We have to worship him in the temple. We have no temple to worship him in. So that's the last time that the, 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 it, it came to an end uh, and he, it, it happened shortly after uh, 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 as far as we know uh, when John wrote this uh, it, it, it's, it's coming upon you the sign of the last time and he says in 18 it's the last time and here's the sign of the last time as you have heard that antichrist shall come even now there are many antichrists whereby we know it is the last time many that oppose the doctrine of Christ, many oppose Christ's uh, kingdom. Uh, now, interestingly enough, uh, the word antichrist is uh, only used uh, in the epistles of John. It's not found anywhere else. Even, it's not even found in the book of Daniel or Revelation, the word antichrist. Uh, the, the description of antichrist certainly is, but not the specific word. Uh, 
in 1 John 2.18, and then down in 2.22, who is a liar, but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. And then over in chapter 4, verse 3, every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist. Uh, where if you have heard that it should come, and even now already, it is in the world. And the only other place in the Bible it's found is in the second um, uh, epistle of John. Uh, in, uh, let's see, in 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. The church has been informed by divine revelation that there would be a, an adversary to Christ and his church. Turn to, turn to 2 Thessalonians, please. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning in verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way, and then shall let wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. So here's a a divine revelation that there's going to be an adversary to Christ in his church, uh, and there are many forerunners of of the great Antichrist, uh, because he said even now there are many antichrists. The mystery of iniquity already works, as, as we just read. And uh, we know in Matthew 24, Jesus said there will be false Christs and false prophets that will show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, that they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible to deceive the elect, they would be these false Christs and false prophets will do will do miracles. Uh, they will appear to heal people, uh, they will, and they'll do all sorts of miracles that if, if we didn't have the faith that we have been given uh, in Christ Jesus, we would be deceived as well, because they, are, they, they will convince the world. Um, they, as John says, going back to First uh, John... They, in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. Well, who, who's he talking about? Uh, very likely, he's talking about, um, well, he's obviously talking about uh, people who, who didn't have biblical faith. They had some sort of apostasy. Uh, and it is, from what I can, my research on this, uh, it's pretty generally accepted that this was a, they, they were, these people were practicing a form of Gnosticism. Um, now, Gnosticism itself wasn't really identified until about the second century. Uh, so, but these were early Gnostics. Uh, what is Gnosticism? Uh, the belief that there is uh, a secret uh, body of knowledge uh, that will bring you to God but it's only known, or however they define God, but it's only known to a select elite group. 
and you have to go through rituals and have to be basically approved by the by the controllers of, of the, the secret knowledge to be allowed into to learn the secret knowledge. Um, Masons uh, are a form of Gnosticism. Now you might say, well, Masons, they're just like Rotary Club. Well, in the United States, Masons do a lot of, quote, good works. Uh, most Masons only make it to as high as the third degree, which is, well, there are 32 degrees, as I recall, and 33, 33, thank you, uh, in, in the Masonic order. And then you can go to the York Rite or the Scottish Rite, which is even more bizarre. Uh, and so that's, anyway, that's an example of Gnosticism. Cults uh, are example of Gnosticism. Um, the, uh, another example of, of uh, um, well, we don't need to go all the examples, but this is Gnosticism, and it's come down with us. I mean, it's come down through the, through the centuries. And we have it today, and many of the Mormons believe in Gnosticism. You know, there's a seat that you can only, you know, you can only go into the temple at certain at certain times. Only Mormons are allowed in the temple, and they're given, you know, as you as you go up higher in the church, you're given new revelation. Uh, Scientology is certainly a Gnostic uh, faith. If you want to call it that? So they went out from us, but they were not of us. Uh, maybe came, they went out from the Church of Jerusalem. Uh, is Acts 15. It says certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren. Uh, wrongly, by the way. Uh, so that may have come out of there. The lesson there is that every church has its problems. Uh, even the best churches may have their uh, people who have fallen away from the church. Um, and they're, they're not... Not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. That's what it boils down to. And but they will eventually show their true, their true faith. Uh, they they had not. They were not of us. He says they had not from the heart obeyed the uh, doctrine. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. In verse 19, had truth been rooted in their hearts, biblical truth rooted in their hearts, it would it would have held them with the church. If they had had the anointing from above, they would have been made true Christians. They would have not have turned to what he calls antichrists. Uh, so we can we can say that those who we've all known backsliders quote who leave the faith eventually once we're in the church have left. That simply shows they were never part of our, the church to begin with. Uh, they were just never part. They didn't lose their salvation. Uh, they were just never part of that. And, of course, we know that's um, Arminian theology teaches basically two f- forms of, uh, of approach to soteriology or the doctrine of salvation in, in the church, Arminianism and Reformed. And Arminian says you can lose your, use your, excuse me, lose your salvation. Uh, Reformed theology teaches that uh, those who have saving faith uh, will always have it, persevere. Uh, never lose their salvation. We, we will waver sometimes. Sometimes we're doing well and sometimes we're not doing so well. Uh, but we're not going to lose our salvation. Over the course of our lives, we will persist in the good works that are evidence of our justification. And finally, we'll be glorified. So what about people who profess Christ and later fall away? That's an Arminian will say, well, you know, all these people have fallen away. Doesn't that show they lose their salvation? Well, verse 19 says, 
when somebody falls away, he never possessed a saving faith. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not with us. So he says it's proof that they weren't saved to begin with. Um, Thus their statements of faith and all were false. John Calvin comments on that, that they who fall away had never been thoroughly imbued with the knowledge of Christ, but had only a light and a transient taste of it. And we know from uh, Christ saying that some people in Matthew 7, he says, well, some will come to me at that time, the last day, and say, Lord, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he'll say, be gone from me. Get out of my sight. I never knew you. You know, go, go jump in the lake. The lake of fire. Uh, and so Christ says that there are some people who say they're Lord, Lord, you know, I'm a Christian. They are not true believers. Uh, someone once said, faith professors, those who profess faith, you know, through their lives, are the visible church. They're not necessarily faith possessors. Faith professors are not necessarily faith possessors. Faith possessors are what Westminster Confession calls the invisible church, all of the elect and their children, the confession says, around the world. Uh, so those, again, those who fall away never knew Jesus in the first place. Uh, why did they, in verse 19, they went out at the end that they might be made manif- that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. They were not part of us to begin with. They were not all with us. That's the answer. Why? Because to show that their insincerity to all the world, uh, that is made manifest that they, they were not part of us. See, the church, we don't know who really has faith and who doesn't. Somebody says, I believe in Christ. You take them at their word unless their life shows differently. Uh, but it's the elect, the invisible church. And they were made manifest, what? For, the, for not only to make their unbelief known, but to be a lesson to believers, uh, to be ca- so that we be cautious. Uh, are we really in the faith? Does our life show that we're in the faith? Second uh, Peter three talks about that as well, and it's, it's a how uh, oh, it's a lesson to all of us. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Getting back to First John. Uh, we're looking at verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Really. We know everything. And he says, he says here, uh, okay, well, you know all things. And later on he says, uh, you don't need a teacher. Uh, in 27, you need not that any man teach you. Well, we know everything, so we don't need a teacher. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. Obviously, John is a teacher, and he's teaching them. So does it mean that, that we don't need a teacher? No, it doesn't mean that. Uh, not literally. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. But here he says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. 
he's encouraging them the insurance of their stability. True Christians are the anointed ones. You have an unction from the Holy One. Now, unction, the word unction means an anointing with oil. That's what unction means, anointed with oil. And often in the Bible, God's grace, uh, spirit, is compared to oil. Because oil was a healing. You had a cut in, in olden times. You put oil on the cut to help it heal. You are anointed with oil. Uh, in, there are many instances in the Bible where, 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 the, where the grace of God uh, is, uh, you know, the oil running down the beard and, and all of these things that have to do with oil are compared to God's grace. Uh, well, we are subordinate prophets, priests, and kings, and they were all, when they were uh, instituted into their office, they were anointed with oil as well. So the Holy Spirit is compared to oil here. So the oil of the Holy Spirit, His grace is our anointing. It comes from the Holy One. The Holy One. You have an unction from the Holy One. Christ, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of Christ. Uh, and thereby you know all things. Things the gospel, things concerning Christ and uh, religion. Now, obviously, some are more anointed than others, but that doesn't mean that we should leave the church. Uh, and he says, you know, your, your ignorance of your truth, uh, I have not written to you, as he says in verse 21, I have not written to you because you know not the truth. So lesson there is, yes, you know the truth. We, we expect that of you and we expect it of you as well. Uh, because you know the truth in Jesus, you know that no lie is of the, is, is of the truth. Uh, who is a liar but he, in 22, but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. So, if we have the scriptures in our mind, we know what truth is, and that's what he's saying. Therefore, we can find out, we can see what the error is. Those that know their Bible are fortified against anti-Christian error and anti-Christian delusion. Remember, Satan comes as an angel of light, and as we heard before, he deceived the, these his followers can deceive the very elect if that were possible. Scripture says. Uh, but if we know the truth, the more we study the Bible, uh, the more we, we, we understand what the Bible teaches, the more fortified we are that we don't fall into these cults and these, these uh, deceptions. What, is, what does he mean by Antichrist? He that denies the Father and the Son. Then he goes on 23, whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father, uh, etc., not just denying that Jesus is the Messiah, but denying the incarnation, that he is God incarnate. And that's essential to the Bible message. You can't say you believe the gospel, but don't believe that Jesus is incarnate God. Uh, and it's, it's a way in which we are assured of salvation. He says that in, in chapter 1. Uh, the first four verses, and he talks about the life being manifested, the word of life, the eternal life which was with the Father manifested to us uh, with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. A lot of people call Jesus the Christ, 
uh, you know, we talk to people, they say, well, I believe in that Jesus was the Christ or the Messiah, but they deny the incarnation. Muslims say that Jesus is the Messiah, but they deny that means he's the incarnate son of God. Uh, but 2.23 tells us that if we call Jesus the Christ, but we don't accept what the Bible says about who he is, we have a reality. We've denied him and denied the Father as well. John Calvin wrote, It is not enough in words to confess that Jesus is the Christ, except that he is acknowledged to be such as the Father offers him to us in the Gospel. See, if we don't understand Christ and believe in Christ as he is presented in the Gospel, then we don't understand Christ and we don't know Christ and we're lost in our sins. So you can't acknowledge Jesus as Christ unless you know what Christ means, and the only way to know what Christ or Messiah means is the definition that the Bible gives it. You know, a lot of people sing praises to Christ, but they don't know or deny essential truths about his person and his work. You look at the lyrics of some of these praise songs and many hymns. Uh, they deny essential truths about the scripture. Um, well, I, a thought just passed me. I did, uh, I'm trying to remember that research I did some time ago, and I, I remember telling Keith about that. And I'm trying to remember, now I'm forgetting what it was. I looked at the lyrics of hymns, and uh, do you happen to recall what my conclusion was? I'm losing it. I don't remember the numbers, but yeah. you said there weren't very many that actually mentioned the name Jesus. Oh, yes. When a lot of people were critical of songs and would say, oh, okay. you're not used That's... to the name Jesus. Yeah, the reason I did that is that one of the big raps against psalm singing, people say, well, I don't want to sing the psalms or I don't want to sing them exclusively because they don't talk about Jesus. Well, that's, number one, that's stupid. Uh, I mean, you really can't know much about the Bible if you think the psalms are not talking about Jesus. Okay, they don't say the name Jesus in them. Well, I went to a website that said the 100 most popular hymns, okay, and I looked for the name Jesus or Christ. And I don't remember the numbers now. It's been several months. But I think it was about 25 or 30%. Do not mention the name Jesus, including some of the most popular hymns. Uh, and again, I don't. I sh- this just came to me while I'm preaching now, so I, I go back and look. But some, some hymns that you'd just be amazed don't have Christ's name. Do not mention Jesus or Christ in them. So there goes your argument. Or unless you want to not sing those, I guess, too. Uh, but nobody argues against against those. So there's some something else going on when people uh, argue against singing the Psalms or singing the Psalms exclusively. Okay, uh, let's look. Let's see. We've done You Know All Things. I lost my place there. Well, he says that uh, who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Now, he says, well, there are many antichrists. Does this mean that what we've been preaching about in Revelation, that the reformers, reformed theology has taught for centuries up until um, a lot of people now are denying it, uh, that the papacy is antichrist? No, that's not an argument against that. Uh, nobody argues that an individual pope is the Antichrist. 
there have been many antichrists, uh, but in the, within the papacy. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about that, I refer you to my series on the Book of Revelation, which is on sermonaudio.com. Uh, he is antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Uh, he that denies the witness and testimony of the Father concerning Christ denies that God is the Father of Jesus Christ and that he abandons the knowledge of God in Christ and he's throwing out the whole revelation of God in Christ and of Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So therefore, the apostle says, whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. In 23, verse 23, he has not the true knowledge of the Father, for the Son has most and best revealed him, as Matthew Henry says. He has no interest in the Father, that he not just mental interest, but he has no part of the Father. He has no part of his favor, his grace, and salvation, for none cometh to the Father but by the Son. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 23. Uh, So the Apostle is saying, continue in the old doctrine, the one you've had from the beginning. Uh, I have not written to you because you know not the truth because you know it. He says before, I, I don't give you a new commandment, but you know the old commandment. Stick with the old paths, as Scripture says. Uh, Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning, in verse, verse 24. Truth is older than error. The truth concerning Christ that was first delivered to the saints is not to be exchanged for novelties, is what he's saying. It's the truth of Christ that abides in us. Remember I talked last week about the branch? We're the branch, and if it's cut off, the branch dies. Christ is, uh, Christ is, is the vine, we are the branches. But the truth of Christ abides in us that keeps us to him, but it also severs us from sin. So it it cuts both ways. The Son is the medium or the mediator by whom we are united to the Father. And that we will secure the promise of eternal life in Christ. Let's go to my prayer.